0: Looking for clarity and confidence when it comes to decision-making for your business? You've come to the right place. You're now listening to the Atomic Business Coaching Podcast. What's going on, Adam? What are you drinking there? What do you got in that cup? Warm everything today. I'm freezing. I know. It's cold outside. It's cold. A lot of blizzards happening across this country right now. You know, Buffalo got hit so hard, they postponed the Bills game. That's crazy. It's a crazy time of year, but it just feels like all of a sudden it got so cold so fast. Mm-hmm. So how are things going this week for you? Awesome. You? Awesome. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's a good start to the week. Um feel like I had a lot of good things happen this morning, so I'm in a, I'm in a good mood. But one of the things I wanted to uh talk about today, you know, a lot of our clients are going through these um management difficulties i would say in being able to really manage their people and manage them to the point where they need them to be and you know we talk about manage manage the people manage what you have to do manage this manage that and sometimes purple collar professionals don't necessarily have a full grasp on what that really means and what management really you know, takes to be an effective manager. And I wanted to really make that the topic of today. So I thought one of the things I wanted to get into is the characteristics of a really good manager. So Adam, in your experience over the course of your career, who would you say was one of the best managers you ever had?
1: I don't know if my answer is going to give you what you're looking for this show. but Let's uh, go. Let's see.
0: Let's go with the flow and see what happens. my, My best manager is my birthday. Your best manager is your birthday. Mm-hmm. Good. Tell me why that. I love that, man. That's a curveball. And listen, I love that. Let's go with that. Let's roll with that. Because I think I have an idea where you're going. But what makes your birthday your best manager? Sure. So
1: obviously when your birthday comes, the number goes up. You get older. And as you know, I turned 45 this year, my birthday is uh, January 1st. And... <clears throat> As I turned 45, you start to realize, and each year you realize this, that, wow, another year has gone. I don't have that much left. And at 45, you know, they say overhills 50. But when you start thinking about mortality tables and, mm-hmm. you know, actuaries tell you how long people actually live. And I think it went down now in America. It's like for a male, it's 78. It went down from like 79 or 80 or something like that. Um, you start to realize you don't have that much time left. So you have to manage your time Better because you have no choice because there's not much left. Um, so that that's one of the key things. Okay. As you get older, you adopt more responsibilities. You know, I have two children, so I have less time. So I have to manage my time better, but I have to manage them in my time better. And I have multiple businesses, and I have multiple people that work for me, and I have multiple investment properties, and all these things that take time. Right. right. So as your time is fleeting because your life's getting shorter. And as your time gets filled with all these things that you've taken on as self-inflicted responsibilities, well, now guess what? You, You have to manage that time better. So, I've had no choice. That's been the best advisor to my management.
0: Well, wow, that thank thanks for the depressing element of we're gonna die soon <laughs> and all of that. That was not where I expected this to go. Well, so, I do own
1: a life insurance
0: company. So yes, I'm well you know. do. You do, you know. I think it's one of the hazards of owning a life insurance company. You're always looking at what's the possible expected date of death here. So, you know, I, but I think you bring up a really good point. You know, it's management is necessary because there has to be some sense of urgency to it. Okay. And I think that's really the key point you're pulling out here is there's a sense of urgency that's reinvigorated in you on your birthday each year because you realize time is not forever. And, you know, we have so many things that we want to accomplish and so many things that we want to do. And we sometimes take for granted that time is withering away. But the, the key is, is that there's got to be a sense of urgency to the management of what you do every single day. And that urgency comes from, well, what are the things that you need the team to accomplish? And a lot of times people put too many things in front of people. And I think this is where mismanagement really occurs. I mean, we have seen a lot of our clients working on too many different things at once. And some people are overstretching some of their people. And they expect people to get things done in a certain amount of time And when that thing doesn't get done in the time they expect it to get done, they start to really pick on the employee. They start to look at it as they're ineffective. And, but what we have to remember is expectations are such a critical piece to managing people, right? So the other day we were talking about something and I can't remember exactly what you said, but something about expectations. And I was saying the importance of having expectations is so that people know exactly what they need to do for you. Right. What they, they know what you expect from them so that they can do their work more effectively. But what was the thing that you were talking about? You were talking about it in a little bit different context. I can't remember exactly, but it was around expectations and setting, how to set expectations. And what was the important thing around setting expectations?
1: Oh, man, pal. I don't know. I talk a lot. Come on. You got a
0: better memory than that.
1: I know, but I talk, I mean, I I know. (laughs) Look, this is the beginning of the year, and I'm talking to a lot of people about expectations. Like, almost every one of my conversations with every one of our clients is about expectations. So, for me to single that out, I mean, in general, I'm talking to everybody. You know, we're setting our top three priorities for either the quarter or the year, depending on how disciplined one of our clients are. The less disciplined they are, the less time I allow them to manage. Right. Okay, because if the expectations go too far out in the future, then they don't really matter that much. There's no Mm -hmm. pressure on them; they'll be willy nilly about changing them. Um, There's no sense of urgency, as you're saying. There's no pressure, and and it's funny: the less disciplined you are, the more the the better you handle pressure. Right? True. The the more disciplined you are, you don't need the pressure because you're so disciplined. So you know, expectations has been a part of almost every conversation over these past few weeks um, in the beginning of the year.
0: And it's such an important and resetting the table at the beginning of the year and looking at what the priorities are, especially for the first quarter. I think that has to transcend to your employees too, is, You know, we we work on a lot of owners and and we're working at the top level with the owner. We don't get to work with the employees at at that level. But one of the things that's really important is when you're working on what your priorities are as the owner of your business, you have to make sure to communicate what those priorities are to your team so that they can manage their own expectations of what they need to do to support those priorities. And if you don't have those conversations, a lot of times that's where mismanagement comes in is, one of the keys that I wanted to talk about is communication, right? Mm-hmm. As a manager, most managers that stink have terrible communication skills. They don't know how to communicate or they're not sure what to filter to their team. Like, what does their team need to know? And I've worked in a lot of different, you know, capacities over my time in healthcare and I think transparency is always the best form of communication. Tell them as much as you can tell them about what they need to know. You know, there are certain things that you can filter, but the key is you need to give them everything that they need to do their job, to accomplish their part of the priority, right? And everybody has to know their place. And I think that's one of the things that oftentimes people forget to communicate to an employee is, where they fit into the bigger picture, especially on a specific priority or a specific project. So, Adam, what is some of the things that, you know, we work with an architect in particular, and his is very project management, very project oriented, and everybody has their place. But what are some of the expectations that have to come with staying in your place and staying in the lines that you need to be in to get the job done? So wait, rephrase the question. Is it about them or about their team? <clears throat> about their team.
1: So give it to me once again. Maybe I'm not okay, So
0: the question. So the, the question is, what are ways to create expectations on how to stay in your role? Gotcha. Okay. On the team. So how to create expectations for others so you could stay in your role? How to create expectations for your team, for the member of your team, so your employee. You tell me.
1: Maybe I'm lost in this conversation.
0: Okay. Sorry. So the, That's okay. So the expectations, when, some, when you give somebody a task to do, or you, you, they're in a specific role, a lot of times people may cross over and try to do something else that's outside of their role. So what is one way that we can set expectations for people to, first of all, stay in their lane? Oh Well, that, I mean, that's the job of the manager. Right. Right. The job of the manager is to look and see. Because look,
1: if you look up the definition, I looked at it when we were talking here. Maybe right. that's why I got distracted. but. I looked it up and it says, it's funny how you have like the Google definition, Oxford definition, the Webster, but this one just says management, right? Is the process of dealing with or controlling things or people, the process of dealing with or controlling things or people. Hmm. And that's what you're saying is these people are out of control because Mm -hmm. they're going off on their own, doing their own thing and they're not in control. So someone needs to manage them, control them. Bring them back. Think about a herd. I was watching Yellowstone over the weekend because okay. the freaking NFL made me get Peacock so I could watch the football game. So I'm <laughs> like, I might as well use this subscription. And now I'm watching Yellowstone. But they have cowboys on Yellowstone. Right. right? Cowboys are basically the managers of the herd. Correct. Okay. And they have to keep them where they have to go, drive them to the next pasture, bring them back to the ranch, put them on the trucks to be sold and everything else. They are, ma- cowboys are managing that herd. It has no clue where it's going to go. The herd doesn't really know the expectation except I have to eat and I have to move.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? The manager knows, well, here's where I'm going to drive them to. Correct. So what mo- many people think is you can write an SOP, you can write a job description, and that's good. They're all set to go and now they're going to understand it. No, no. That's just the beginning so they have a direction. Right. Then you ha- actually have to go in and manage Okay, those expectations that are on the standard operating procedure that are in the metrics that you've given to them to value and show success. And it's like, okay, let me bring you back here so you understand what went right, what went wrong, and what you need help
0: with. Absolutely. And that's exactly the perfect answer to my question because it's about you can't just have the SOP. You can't just have what that standard operating procedure is for that specific thing. You have to make sure that you that your t- person or your team member or your employee understands what their role is in fulfilling that part of the SOP. Because you can have an SOP, but you can have four different people that are needed for that SOP in order to make that SOP complete and finished. Is Everybody has to understand their place, and that comes through job description, and that's the point I was trying to drive to, is that you can't expect people to do a task or work on a project or do a thing if you don't have clear job descriptions clear roles and responsibilities for each of your team and oftentimes a lot of solopreneurs specifically they don't have job descriptions laid out for what that person is going to do they oftentimes will hire somebody to do a specific thing and then when something else comes about they'll ask that person to do that as well and they
1: argue i would argue actually i'm saying differently I agree with what you're saying. What you're saying is 100% right. Right. Right? That many people aren't doing that. But the people who are doing that, okay, they're not really, they're not writing a very specific job description. It's so vague that the person who's being hired thinks they're a jack of all trades master of none. Correct. Okay? And that's an issue is they're not specialized and you're supposed to be doing this. They're like, well, you're going to do a little of that, a little of this, because most newer businesses... What they're trying to do is get the most out of every dollar. They're like, okay, I'm going to hire this person. And yes, they're going to answer my email. But then I'm also going to have them post to social media. And oh, yeah, I need this thing created. Let's have them do that. And oh, you know what else I could have them do? Let me show up, have them show up here. Let me have them do this onboarding. Let me ha-. And like, wait, what's my job role?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, what am
1: I supposed to do? So then they can wander like the cow does. They're like, hey, you just got to eat grass. There's grass over there. Right. Let me go over there and eat Chris. And then they're outside of the bounds of where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. You have to go over there and imagine and say, oh, no, I wanted you to be over here. Right. But the problem that I'm seeing is so many of our newer business owners, right? And, and what I mean is you have under 10 employees. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you've probably reached 500 to a million, five hundred thousand to a million dollars. You know, you're paying yourself, but you're really not, the business isn't super profitable after you pay yourself. And you're still new, whether that's 10 years or 10 months, that's just where you're at in the business. And everybody has to do a little bit of everything. So you don't yet have that. Now, what I would advocate for is when you have an employee, number one should be a specialist. Mm -hmm. Okay. They should be the CEO of whatever you're giving them. Okay. If you're going to hire an assistant, they should be the CEO of your email and your inbox and your calendar. That's it, not Mm -hmm. the marketing. Not like creating these other things over here, not answering to somebody else who's not their boss. Just like here, you go. The assistant says, "Your day has been assisted," and mm-hmm. that's all they should do. Nothing else. Right. And when you start adding in all these other roles and responsibilities, they get lost. They get off track, and then you get frustrated because, like, well, I wanted you to do the calendar. Yeah, but you asked me to do six other things. Of course, I can't do the thing you told me to do. Right. Wait, what do you want me to do today? Right. And then you get into what's called. Micro management.
0: Exactly. And that's where it's ineffective is, is when you have to realize that the job description that you write for the employee and the things that you want that employee to do is more about you staying in line and managing that person according to that than that's letting them confused. Right. And letting them go off and wander. Me
1: me? Right. Yeah. I was confused because I'm like, to see the way I look at management it's not so much so I can have the employee stay in line. It's more so I can stay in line. Correct. It's like, all right, they're handled over there. I don't have to touch it now. And stay out of their way. Let them do their job. Check in. Make sure they have all the resources they need to do their job. Make sure they're showing up on time and doing what they said they were going to do. And that's it. Resources. Show up on time. Do what you said you're going to do. Fantastic. I don't need above and beyond. Correct. I just need that. Correct. That's all I need so I can come over here and stay in my lane and out of yours. So that's why I think I was confused because I'm always thinking in the owner, not in the employee mindset.
0: Right, I'm looking at it from the employee mindset when the employee who is frustrated, who's having difficulty. But I'm looking at it as there when, because a lot of times what we'll hear from our people is that they're having a tough time with this person and this person is either lashing out or not sure what they need to do or whatever it is. And I often go back to the manager, to the owner and say, well, do you have clear lines of responsibilities? Do you do they know where they fit into the bigger picture? Do you have this all laid out? And a lot of times they don't have it laid out. So this is where like SOP leads to job description, leads to good management by the manager, and leads to good work by the employee because everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And then lines don't get crossed and things don't overflow. And when you ask somebody to do something that's outside of their job description, you have to be very careful about doing that because that is going to create frustration. And then that's going to lead to all of these turnovers in your business and inability to retain your employees. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things like it starts. What I want people to recognize, too, is that management starts From the moment you have that interview with the person, when you're talking to them about the job and about the responsibilities of that job and asking them to see how they fit in, that's where your management relationship actually starts with the person. It's not when they start their job. It's how you present yourself in that interview and how you communicate the responsibilities to that potential employee. So that was number one. What, one of the things I wanted to get into is, you know, a lot of people confuse to leadership versus management. And, you know, I a lot of times I'll hear people saying, oh, he's a really good leader, but he's not so good as a manager. And, you know, what is it, when you think about leadership versus management, what is one of the key differences that you put out there in terms of that?
1: It's just where is the focus? So on management, it's focused on the people. On leadership, it's focused on the overall vision of what's trying to be accomplished, right? When you're managing, you cannot be a very good leader and a very good manager simultaneously. It's very difficult because a leader of an organization is not the leader of the people, Mm -hmm. right? That is, the leader of the people is part of it, but you have to lead the whole entire org, okay? A manager just says, okay, these are the tasks of what you have to do today. I'm going to make sure you're on task, that you have what you need. And if you're off task, I'm going to manage you to get back on it. Well, as a leader, you can't really do that and be leading people effectively and leading the organization effectively. So that's why typically you have a layer in between leadership and the staff. And that's called management. Correct. Right? You have your staff that does things. You have your management that does things. Then you have your leadership team. Then you have your C-suite team. Then you have the chairman. So if you're all the way down at the management level, you have to now have your own leader, Mm -hmm. okay? So that would mean if you're hiring your first or second or third or fifth employee, unfortunately, you have two roles. And you have to know what role you're in at what time, okay? You can't just lead. You have to be like, I'm management this time and I'm leadership that time until you have the money and the resources to bring in that new
0: layer. Right, and I think that's such a key point because we've talked about the importance of you know, firing yourself as the practitioner to become the leader. Nowhere in our process do we say you're going to become the manager. Mm-hmm. It's like part of being the practitioner is also part of being the manager. But if you're really going to be. No, a, what's
1: the first hire that we always say when you're going to become the leader?
0: You got to hire a manager.
1: Yeah. So that is being the leader. Right. Right.
0: You're exactly. The manager. I you're, mean, that
1: architect you were talking about before. Yep. What was his first hire? It was a manager. Project manager. Manager, yep, exactly. He couldn't lead until he had someone else manage. Correct. And, and that's, now what does he do? He manages, he leads that manager.
0: Correct. He leads that manager and that manager manages it for him. And mm-hmm. that's one of the key things that I think people have to recognize is that if you want to be the leader of your business, then you have to have a manager who is, that you're going to lead. You have to have a manager who is working on everybody so and, so that you don't have to deal with that.
1: Well, not everybody. The well, specific area you want managed. Correct. Right. So we fired ourselves and, and our coaches from the social media team. Not because they were bad, the coaches or we were bad at it. It's mm-hmm. because there it was a professional that could manage it better. And we hired MMP Creations because they are better managers of the entire thing. Correct. Right. And now, guess what? We went not from being the manager. We went down a le- we went down a level. Yeah. Now we did. we're just we're inside of it doing what we're told. Correct. We do that and then we walk away. But that's right. it. we our job requirement, our job description isn't like one line now. It's like show up and perform. Right. Nothing else. I don't have to think. I don't have to plan. I don't have to strategize. They do all of that. Mm-hmm. And then, and so me and you are in that role. And then we're in the leadership role, which is we're telling those people who now manage it. Here's the overarching well, vision that we're looking for.
0: That's a beautiful example. Executed for us. Yep. That's exactly it. Somebody else is executing it for you. And that's where you need good management, where you as the leader... get ahead. But that's one area that you Correct. and I have delegated
1: management. We still have to manage other things that we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I don't want you to get scared if you're listening to this, like, oh my God, I need all this money to hire managers. There's so many things to manage. <laughs> no, we're not you, saying you that. Really, you just need someone to manage one specific area. And that's why I said earlier, if you know, your first hire should be a manager... Well, if it's managing your calendar and your emails, that's an assistant, right? You can hire a manager for your calendar and emails and you, you would have them be the CEO of that. And what does that mean? That they have to make all the decisions in that. And then you actually work for them in that role. They tell you where to be. They tell you what to do. They tell you what you need to get back on. You don't do all that stuff. They manage all of that and they're telling you what to do. So you can hire a manager for yourself, you can hire a manager for a task, but they should be compartmentalized and specialized.
0: Absolutely, 100%. You know, one of the things that when you hire your specialist or you hire somebody for your team, one of the things a lot of managers or a lot of business owners specifically struggle with is giving feedback and and being able to interact and give the feedback. So we've worked with several, you know, because if you're really going to be an effective manager, you have to give people feedback on how they're performing. We have done a very good job of of that. When we meet with people that we hire for specific areas, we tell them where they're doing great and we tell them where we'd like to see improvement. And a lot of times people shy away from giving that feedback because they think it's going to cause conflict or they think it's going to cause some turmoil And, you know, feedback is such an important part of you improving the people that work for you, but also ultimately improving your skills as a manager, and then ultimately improving your business. And you have to give feedback to people when they are not meeting the expectation or they are meeting the expectations that you've laid out for them. And we encourage people, You know, when you hire somebody, you should give them a 90-day evaluation. You should give them feedback after that first 90 days and have that conversation on how they're doing according to their performance and how they're doing in terms of their professional behavior. Because if you don't give feedback and an employee starts to stress you out I want you to ask yourself, have I given that person feedback when they start to stretch you out? Because most likely, nine times out of 10, you've not provided feedback to the employee to correct or change the thing that they are causing you to be frustrated by. And that's something I want to talk about is the importance of having that feedback opportunity so that the employee does not become a problem for you, but becomes a true asset for you in your business. So Adam, what are some things that are really important to give people feedback about in their job performance?
1: All right, so first I would say, again, people who are listening to this, the, the 90 days is nice, right? It's a good corporate structure, but you're not in a corporate structure. and you're, You should not wait 90 days, I don't believe, as a newer business to start doing reviews. They should be much more often, okay? You, you should set the expectation in the interview, this is how we are going to manage you. Right, And mm-hmm. we are going to meet every x, whatever it is. I don't think it should be every ninety days, um depending on what the size of your company is and what the scope of the work they're going to do. It may actually be daily right, okay, at a minimum, I think in the beginning it should be weekly. I do not think in the beginning of someone's um, career with you that they should be anything beyond um every two weeks, like that's really too much. but here's the thing is, people get nervous about that feedback loop because they think it's disciplinary and only, okay? And they're like, oh my gosh, I have to tell someone again that they didn't do their job. Well, you can give positive feedback as well, but I think the best way to manage, and the way that's worked extremely well for me and many of my clients, is to remove all emotion. Right? There's too much emotion built up in management. The way you can remove emotion is with math. Mm-hmm. Okay, math, numbers are black and white. There's no emotion attached to numbers, okay? Um, of course there's some emotion attached to numbers people are going to fight me in the comments about it but what i mean is it's not like i feel it's this is what it is okay so if they're expected to do a task you can measure that with math mm-hmm. it's like this is how many of the thing i needed to do we had a meeting today with one of our companies and we had the chief operating officer giving us a report on their sales staff and we were literally sitting there i have it right in front of me over here somewhere We're literally sitting there. Oh, here it is. literally have it today. Sloppy ass handwriting.
0: (laughs) Are you sure you weren't a physician in a prior life?
1: (laughs) But we were talking about how many contacts, how many appointments, how many follow-ups, how many closes. And they were averaging 26 contacts, four appointments, two closes. They didn't have a metric for follow-ups. Right. Okay. So what they were saying is, all right, let's add that in to our report that we have. Make sure we're we're counting of those 26 contacts, how many follow-ups do we have? But then what the numbers advise us to is their ratios, right? They're a 15% appointment setting closing, meaning Mm -hmm. if they have 26 contacts, they make four appointments. Correct. Of those appointments, they had a 50% close ratio. So they needed to hit a certain number that we now know they need 120 leads to hit this number of these nine new clients they need. right. Okay, so now there's a new expectation that's set. So the next meeting, this woman is going to be able to ask her staff, did you set this many appointments? And if they said yes, great. If they said no, why? Right. What, what did we not supply you with? What are the resources that are missing? Not a blame game. Correct. It's what do we need? Right. And then the opposite is, well, you, you asked me to hit nine, actually hit 22. Like, how? Let's improve the whole group. Right. So using math and everything, people are like, ah, oh, but I can't measure this or that. You can, you can measure everything. You know, yep. I was talking to somebody else's, uh, um, we changed their metric because they had someone doing something for an hour, 60 minutes, mm-hmm. and they wanted to you know, did they do this for an hour each day? And I said, who cares? Because it may take me 20 minutes to do what they do in an hour, and it may take the, that next person two hours. Right. We care about the outcome. Right. So let's understand the outcome. Okay, here's the outcome we're expecting you to do. And it was a task that had to be done. It wasn't like a sale or anything else. It was like, you have to do this thing. And then you can start measuring, did you get it done? Great. How long did it take? Now that math can inform the entire team of the average time it should take. And then you can pull out your all-stars from that and pull out your week links from that. But math is the best manager. And that's really what you should be doing is looking each week and saying, here are the metrics of this thing or that thing. And it's all a number to together talk to without any emotion and just like, here's what it is. Okay. It is what it is. Right now. What are we going to do about it?
0: Correct. I think that's a, a brilliant point. Math is the best way to manage people, to have that measurability. You know, I talk about 90 day um evaluations because i've been in corporate for so long but you're 100% right too you have to meet with people regularly and whatever that cadence is whether it's daily weekly every other week but you need to be in constant communication with the people that you supervise and when you're supervising you have to have the metrics set up for them so that they know what they can they should be doing in their role because it was very clear with this p- sales team this morning it was very clear on Looking back now at what they had done to say, okay, this is what we need to do going forward. And there was no emotion in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Whereas previously, when we've met with them, there would have been much more emotion. There would have been more blame. It would have been a a worse situation. And and you're 100% right. Stick to the facts. stick to the the math the math provides the best facts and and i always have said to people that you don't have to have difficult conversations you just have to have a conversation where you're talking factually where you're not talking about things that don't make any sense you're not talking like when you tell somebody oh you didn't show up this day you know you didn't show up this one time well when was that what was the date what was the time what was the what was happening what what was the day of the week even if you don't provide data and facts to your people, you can't manage them effectively. And that's the point we wanted to get to today is have those metrics. You know, you start with those metrics in your SOPs because you might be writing a procedure on how to do something, but the how to do something is to get you to a specific goal, to get you to a specific measurement, to get you to a specific outcome. And when you have all of that set up, it makes it very easy to manage people. And you can determine the cadence for which you manage those individuals. One person might need to be managed every day and some may not be, maybe only need twice a month where you have to sit down and, and give, have a conversation. And like Adam said too before, I think it's a very important point that shouldn't be missed. This is not supposed to be disciplinary. Right. A lot of people who come from a corporate world and a corporate environment and then start these jobs and uh, start, start these businesses and hired employees are so used to these kind of conversations being disciplinary. And they're not meant to be disciplinary. They are really opportunities to improve the business, opportunities to improve the individual and the opportunities to improve yourself as the manager of all of those people. And that's what you have to see them as. And if you remove the emotion from that equation, you're going to have a great conversation with everybody. Well, that's so, the
1: thing. It's, you know, even in that meeting this morning, it was, we were looking at, we went back to the chief operating officer and as their consultants, we were saying, great, what resources do you not have right now that could help the team do better? Correct. And they gave us the answers to that. So when you're thinking about this, instead of being disciplinarian, it's more of, listen to our previous podcast, is you have to be in a service mindset, right? Is You have to really understand that you, as the manager, here, you're here to serve them. Give them every tool, all the time, all the nurturing, everything that they need to perform the task, whether it's open the emails, okay, or it's make the sales calls, or go produce the widgets, or whatever it may be. You have to make sure they have the resources. And as long as you've provided the SOP, the standard operating procedure, the plan, which is here's what we're trying to accomplish, the overall numbers. Okay. And then you have the resources. If you have all that stuff there, they should be able to do it. If they're not, it's because your management is lacking. And as Tom started this, it may be the communication. Right. Okay. So that's, I mean, this is really, it's, this is management 101 we're talking about. Yep. Um, but it's, you have to think of this as it's not as, as people who listen to this podcast. Okay, they're not these huge corporations. They're Correct. usually also not solopreneurs. They're somewhere in between. And management is a piece of what you do that has to fit into a time frame of the day, not what you do all day long,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay, and not just relying on a standard operating procedure to do it for you.
0: Correct. Yep. You definitely have to communicate all of that. So on that note, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. So I hope that you got something out of this today. If you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to us. You can message us at info at atomicbusinesscoaching.com. You could send us a DM on Instagram at Atomic Business Coaching. We want to help you. We're here to help you. We're here to serve you. We're here to help you succeed in your businesses. We know that not everybody will have the opportunity to work with us, but we're here to help make success your business. So Adam, on that note, let's wrap it up.
1: Okay, let's wrap it up.
0: All right. Who are you? What? Who are you?
1: I'm Adam. What do you mean?
0: And what do you do? <laughs> what are we branding here? No. See, I was trying to have you manage me. <laughs> so let, let's go into our clothes. What's our clothes? you know close? exactly?
1: But no, no. See, I'm just trying to give a, a silly example. Right. Right. We all have to be managed and we all have to manage. Correct. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do in that moment, but maybe yeah. I had a brain fart. Okay. And I was just playing with Tom to get him to manage me. But he did instantly. He didn't think about it. He said, all right, okay, so who are you? He gave me the resource I needed so <laughs> I can go do my job, right. which my job is to say, I am Adam, and I work on the business.
0: And I'm Tom. I work on the owner.
1: Together, we are Atomic Business Coaching.
0: And we're in the business of helping purple-collar professionals.
1: I nice. see you.